What the fuck is up? Welcome back. My name is Noah Hills. You can find me on Twitter at Noah More Parties. You can find me on TikTok at Noah More Parties. And you can find me, not me, well, me, but also my written work and rankings for Debbie Leagues, Dynasty Leagues, Rookie Drafts, all running back stuff at NoahMoreParties.com. And today's video is a uh, little dive into the profile of Izzy Abanacanda, running back from Pitt, who, from a lot of people that I respect some people I don't, but a lot of people that I do respect uh, are pumping up as one of the best running backs in this class. So worth a look. Let's do it. Izzy Abanacanda did not run at the combine, but he is five foot eleven. 216, and he is, he was he was productive in college. Uh, he led the ACC in rushing last year with like 1,400 yards. He had 250 more than the next closest guy in Will Shipley for Clemson. He had 370 yards more than Sean Tucker had. Uh, he had a 43% dominator rating. That's in the 90th percentile for NFL prospects, and it's in the 94th percentile for juniors who go on to be drafted. So elite production his final season in college really productive on the ground and he's an explosive guy at 216 pounds ray garvin tweeted a while ago i think in response to cody carpentier uh comping abana canada to melvin gordon which is a decent stylistic comp i think um and ray said 210 plus pound running back who will most likely go sub 4-4 in the 40 yard dash he'll be 20 years old to start his nfl career there aren't many in this class with as much acceleration and long speed as Izzy has. Completely agree. If Israel Abanacanda runs sub 4-4 at 210 pounds, like Ray G speculates in that tweet, which which I think he, he has a decent chance to do. Sub 4-4 is moving pretty damn fast, but in order to be at least 210, he just has to weigh in like at least five pounds, or no more than five pounds lighter than what he was listed at, at Pitt. Um, I think he weighed in at the combine at 216, but, but regardless, he's probably greater than 210 pounds, so check there. Multiple people have tracked him um, in the 21 mile an hour range on these long runs in college, whether that's real analytics, whether that's uh, ZWK football on Twitter. He's fast. He's among the fastest running backs in this class, like top speed in the open field right there with guys like Gibbs and Tucker, uh, Keaton Mitchell, guys like that in the open field. So he is flying. But if he's 210 plus and runs sub 4-4, he'll be the only back since at least 2007, going all the way back to 2007, maybe longer, but he'll be the only running back since at least 2007 to do that, run sub 4-4 at 210 or more pounds and debut in the NFL at age 20. Abanacanda doesn't turn 21 until, I think it's October 5th, uh, and the only guy who came came close to this, well, not the only guy, but the guy who came the closest is Darren McFadden back in 2008, who ran sub 4-4 at, I think, right at 200, I think he was 211 pounds at the Combine. McFadden's birthday was like August 28th, so he was barely 21 in his NFL debut, like 12 days after his 21st birthday. Abanacanda won't turn 21 until like a month after his first game in the NFL, so he'd be the only one of those guys. If we expand our criteria to guys who simply ran faster than 4-5. So you can run somewhere in the 4-4s. Abanacanda would still be the only guy to do that at at least 210 pounds prior to turning 20, or prior to turning 21. If we expand our criteria to include guys who debuted at 21 years old, so earlier than 22, so sub 4-5, 21-year-old or younger NFL debut, 210 plus pounds, Abanacanda would be one of only 20 guys since 2007. So that's barely one guy a year, a little more than one guy per year. And that list of 20 includes seven first round picks, 
six second round picks, and only three guys taken after day two of the NFL draft. So combination of size, speed, and youth pretty generally equals significant draft capital in the NFL draft. Um, among those guys are Zeke Elliott, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson's in that group now, assuming he gets drafted, which I would imagine he will. Uh, and maybe Kendra Miller, maybe Kendra Miller, who's probably at least 210 pounds. I've seen speculation that he's going to be pretty fast. I don't know if he runs sub 4-4, four, four, so eh, fringy, but he's also a younger guy. So Saquon, Zeke, JT, Bijan, maybe Kendra Miller, and then a bunch of other guys who were like first and second round picks. Pretty good company for a Bandicanda. Young prospects who move like he does at the size he is are just very often successful in the NFL or at least get drafted highly and then have a lot of opportunity in the NFL. But being big, fast, and young are not sufficient for being successful in the NFL. Sometimes they're necessary, depending on uh, the style of play um, for each particular player, but those things are not sufficient. You can't simply be big and fast and young and then be a good NFL player, at least to the degree that we care about in fantasy. Like, making an NFL roster is quite a success on its own, and being big, fast, and young will pretty much guarantee that a Bandicanda makes an NFL roster or gets drafted at the very least. But in order to be successful to the degree that we care about in fantasy football, where you're, you know, giving us usable weeks or RB2 level production when you get a decent workload or even earning a decent workload, you also have to be good at football. And Abanakan is obviously good at football. He was very productive in a Power 5 conference, efficient on the ground, but I'm not convinced that he'll be able to duplicate the kind of success he had in college. Not, not even necessarily to the same degree, but given his skill set and given his style of play, I think the two things are in conflict a little bit as far as translating his success to the NFL goes. So let's look at his rushing efficiency numbers. Uh, he averaged in his college career 1.04 yards per carry greater than the collective other guys at Pitt, which is pretty good. That's a yard per carry more than his teammates. That's in the 71st percentile for NFL prospects good. Even if we account for the box counts that he was seeing relative to those guys, they were actually a little bit lighter. He ran into slightly lighter defensive fronts than what his teammates were seeing. But regardless, box-adjusted efficiency rating accounts for that, tells you how much are Abanacanda's carries worth compared to what his teammates' carries are worth, given the box counts that they're carrying the ball in uh, or against. His box-adjusted efficiency rating of 128.6% is a 73rd percentile number and indicates that his carries were worth 25%, approximately 29% more than, you know, the per carry output of the other guys in the team. That's that's pretty good. He also ripped off 10-yard runs at a 3.8% greater clip than the other backs at Pitt did. That's in the 77th percentile. Pretty good. But what I, what I kind of want to focus on here is his relative success rate mark of negative 1.0%. Last year was actually negative 2.8% as a junior during his, really his only season as like the undisputed lead guy at Pitt. That career number is in the 27th percentile. The number from last season is even worse. And basically what it indicates is kind of like box adjusted efficiency rating. It adjusts uh, things for the kind of box counts you're carrying the ball against, the down and distance situations you're carrying the ball in, and describes how often are you are you succeeding on your carries, like producing a positive result, whether that's getting a first down or staying ahead of the chains, you know, things like that relative to how often your teammates are doing that. And Abanacanda's teammates were producing positive outcomes on their carries more often than Abanacanda was on his. That's not good. 27th percentile in that area. But despite that, still ripping off a lot of 10-yard runs, still ripping off a lot of even longer runs. His career mark in breakaway conversion rate, which looks at once he's already, you know, ripped off a 10-yard run, how often is he turning that into a 20-yard run? 
And first career, he did that 29% of the time. That's a 41st percentile mark, so fairly blah. But in 2022, during his only season as the as the lead runner at Pitt, he did that 42.1% of the time. That's a 93rd percentile number. So as a lead back, he was incredibly explosive and good in the open field. A little bit of small sample there, you know, like which one is the real him, him as a lead back or the things he was doing prior to that. On aggregate, he's not impressive in that area, but I do think he's an explosive guy. He's a big play runner with like good overall efficiency, poor down-to-down consistency is I think stylistically what a Banacanda is. And often what that what that kind of analytical profile indicates is a guy who is living off of long runs while lacking some like nuanced skill at the line of scrimmage. He's ripping off 10-yard runs at a high rate, uh, extending those runs into the secondary at a high rate, at least last season. But for his career, and especially last season, he's not producing positive outcomes on his carries at a rate good relative to what his teammates are doing, and especially at a rate that's good relative to other high-end running back prospects. And I think those things are backed up by film study. Um, Here are his ranks in my film grades out of 14 guys for whom I've watched like a significant amount of film for. Um, I, I chart every run that I watch. I grade it either positively, negatively, or neutrally in several like decision-making type categories. So vision, patience, discipline, decisiveness, ability to like manipulate linebackers. And then we can take those play level scores and average them out over the whole sample and see like, okay, on a per carry basis, how often is this guy making mistakes in vision or exhibiting patience positively or you know things like that. So I divide things up by zone concepts and gap concepts. Gap would be like you're just following a polar to a designed gap. Uh, not always following a polar, but there's a designed gap on the play. You're supposed to go right there. And zone is there are multiple options to choose from. Pick the best one and make something happen. And on zone concepts, out of 14 running backs for whom I've watched and charted a significant amount of runs for, here are Abanacanda's ranks in this class. Vision, 10th out of 14. Patience, 14th out of 14. Discipline, 10th out of 14. Decisiveness, 7th out of 14. Manipulating linebackers, 8th out of 14. Overall score on zone concepts, 8th out of 14. On gap concepts, vision, 10th out of 14. Patience, 13th out of 14. Discipline, 14th out of 14. Decisiveness, 11th out of 14. Manipulating linebackers, 8th out of 14. Overall score on on gap runs, 13th out of 14. Below average in every single one of those categories. Uh, He's got subpar vision on both gap and zone concepts. And the kind of combination of he's not exhibiting patience appropriately, sometimes being too patient, sometimes not being patient enough. Um, His decisiveness is spotty. Um, His discipline in like turning down, you know, these fool's gold opportunities and, you know, bailing on structure versus just sticking to what he should, he's supposed to do on the play. He's just guessing on the test. Like he, he doesn't identify the right, the right lanes all the time. And I think because he's not good at that, he's often like unsure at the line of scrimmage and is kind of, you know, apprehensive or or the other extreme where he's like being too decisive when he should. He's just he's just guessing on the test. He doesn't have a good plan at the line of scrimmage and it results in like really wonky play to play results where he's either just trying to go way too fast, way too soon, or he's waiting in the backfield way too long. It's just it's not a consistent issue. It's just issues all over the place. He can take advantage when things all come together on really well-blocked plays because he is able to just 
you know, see it, plant, and go, and at that point he's explosive and has good long speed, but he doesn't produce reliably otherwise. And even when he is able to see it and go, the other major problem in his game is that he runs with as little power as nearly anybody in this class. I've been uh, charting on, like, physical interactions with defenders. So every time a defender basically attempts to tackle you and gets, you know, more than just, like, a hand on you. So a legitimate tackle attempt, um, that's one thing. And then there's an attempt to make a guy miss. So rather than running with power, um, you're attempting some sort of evasive maneuver, whether that's a dead leg or a jump cut or a spin or, you know, a hurdle, whatever it is, you're attempting to make a guy miss via elusiveness in some way. And the class average in, in that, of like, how often are you attempting evasive maneuvers, is 38.6%. That's the average for the class. So on 38.6% of the class's collective you know, interactions with defenders, they're attempting to make guys miss just under 40% of the time. Abanacanda attempts to make guys miss 26.9% of the time. That's the 12th out of 14 in this class, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's not it's not a bad thing to not try to make people miss. Uh, sometimes it's a bad thing to try to, like, Tank Bigsby tries to make people miss all the time, way too often, in my opinion. Abanacanda doesn't do it very often, which isn't necessarily bad, it's just kind of a stylistic thing. But if you're not trying to make people miss, you better be running with some power because you have to, you, you have to work through the contact, work through the attempted tackles somehow. And the other, the other four guys, there are only four guys in this class who attempt to make defenders miss less than 30% of the time. Abanacanda is one of them, there are four others. They are Tyon Evans, Zach Evans, Dwayne McBride, and Kendra Miller. None of those guys run with a lot of wiggle, but the ranks for those guys in powering through contact in this class are Tyon Evans is second, second best power. Zach Evans is third. McBride is fourth. Kendra Miller is fifth. So those other four guys who don't run with a lot of wiggle, don't attempt to make people miss very often, are all in the top five in this class in powering through contact. Abanacanda also doesn't attempt to make people miss, but Instead of being near the top of this class in power to make up for it, he ranks 12th out of 14 guys in this class in his ability to power through contact. That's behind both Devon A-Chain and Jameer Gibbs, who are, you know, what, 15 and nearly 30 pounds lighter than he is? That's not great. His, 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 his ranks against defensive linemen alone, powering through contact against defensive linemen. Abanakin is 13th out of 14 guys that I've watched. He's just average against linebackers. Um, and he's 12th out of 14 against defensive backs. And basically what that says to me, if you think about his his lack of success versus defensive linemen, he's a guy who doesn't have great vision, uh, inconsistent patience and decisiveness and discipline, you know, all these things that contribute to him being like apprehensive or jumpy, you know, all these these inconsistent things in the backfield. If you don't have a good plan in the backfield, if you don't know what you're doing back there, you're going to take more shots from defensive linemen and you're going to be less prepared to deal with those shots. And so you're not going to have as much power. I think that's one of his issues in the backfield. He's like either a chicken with his head cut off in the backfield or he's you know, creeping around unsure of what to do, both of those things are are not good for being prepared to deal with deal with contact. And so he's not prepared to deal with contact and is therefore not powerful in dealing with tackle attempts from defensive linemen. He's decent, fairly average against linebackers, because once he gets ahead of steam, uh, you know, he can plant and go and get ahead of steam against a linebacker. 
But then once he's against DBs in the open field where he's also not good at powering through contact, he's not very, he just doesn't have a lot of tools to, to fight through contact. And it's not always like I'm taking a straight shot to the chest. I'm breaking that tackle. Sometimes it's as much as like I, I threw a dead leg to get the guy off balance. He still hit me, but it's, it was less direct contact. And so now I have an easier time breaking through that contact. A Banacanda doesn't have a lot of wiggle and that contributes to him not having a lot of power in the open field. So his, his, the problems in his game kind of compound upon each other to give him some issues. You know, it's just a suboptimal combination of like stylistic factors where you don't have to run with wiggle, but if you don't, you need to be powerful. Abanacanda is neither. You don't have to be super powerful, but you better be like aware and opportunistic at the line of scrimmage. Abanacanda is neither of those things. The other non-powerful guys in this class, the guys who run with a similar level of a lack of play strength as Abanacanda has, are all A, smaller than him, some of them significantly. Uh, Chase Brown's the biggest one in that group. He weighed in at 209 at the combine. That's, what, seven pounds lighter than Abanacanda probably is. And all of those guys are better at the line of scrimmage. This is A-Chain, this is Gibbs, this is Tucker, and this is Brown. Between 188 and 209 pounds, A-Chain, I think, is from like a cerebral standpoint, a decision-making standpoint. He's the best pure runner in this class, in my opinion. He's just so smart, so intelligent at the line of scrimmage. Gibbs is a very clean decision-maker. His lack of power hurts him as a runner, but he doesn't make a lot of mistakes behind the line of scrimmage from a process standpoint. Uh, Tucker, 207 pounds, he balances patience and decisiveness very well. Um, in the in a way that Abana Canada just does not. And Chase Brown is a very like controlled, opportunistic runner, at least on zone concepts. Abana Canada is none of those things on gap or zone concepts. So he's not powerful. He's doesn't run with a lot of wiggle, and he doesn't have great awareness behind the line of scrimmage. And all of those things combine to make him a pretty boom bust player. Um, essentially, he's fast and he's explosive and that's about it. Yeah, he's big, but you can't even say he runs big because he doesn't run with power that's proportional to his size. He runs with power that's much more proportional to like a 200-pound back, so what does it matter that he's 216 pounds? And he's more dependent on external circumstances creating his opportunities than most other running backs are, given his lack of a plan behind the line of scrimmage. And that is just not enough for like top five status, or even fringe top five status in my opinion, in what is a pretty deep class. And there are cheaper options than a Banacanda who give you some of the same traits without all of the deficiencies. Daneric Prince is one of them. He's a guy who I didn't know a lot about before the combine, but he also is 5'11", 216. He runs 4'4", So while we, we, we're pretty sure a Banacanda's fast, we are certain that Daneric Prince is fast. Uh, Daneric Prince, his career mark and relative success rate is 2.2%. He wasn't playing with teammates who were probably quite as talented as the ones that a Banacanda was playing with at Pitt, but he at least was producing positive outcomes more often than they were, where Abanacanda was not relative to his teammates at Pitt. And he was also ripping off 10-yard runs at a high rate, 3.1% more often than his teammates. And he was, for his career, very successful in the open field, 39.6% breakaway conversion rate. That's better than Abanacanda's career rate. So I'm not saying Daneric Prince is better than Abanacanda. Lower level of competition caveats apply, but he's at least a similar stylistic player who doesn't have uh, a lot of the the sort of potentially fatal flaws that I see in Abanacanda's game. So there you go. That was uh, a video of me talking shit about Abanacanda. 
I don't think he's anywhere close to the RB2 spot that I've seen a few people put him in. Um, I don't think he's even a particularly interesting player in that like big tier beyond the top five. I have him at the lower half of that tier. I just don't think he's that good. He's, he's, he's big. He doesn't run big. Uh, he's fast and explosive. It's kind of about it. So yeah, thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and I will see you on Wednesday. Peace.